You are listening to the PRC Students Podcast. This sermon was recorded during our series titled The Creed, where we'll examine the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is a universal creed with Christians from nearly every branch of the faith agreeing with its contents. But it is more than a historic document. It is an accurate representation of our faith. We pray that the Lord speaks to you through this message. Well, guys, it's good to be here again after a, um, seems like a long time since we've been here. Um, and just a a warning to you all, uh, I've been under the weather for this whole week, uh, if you can't tell by how I'm talking right now. And I told myself I wouldn't sing when I get up there, but, you know, it just so happens I get up there and I've seen you move. You move. I just, you know, lay all out. So, uh, you know, there goes my voice for tonight, but I have my I have my tea ready. I have my water over here, um, and so uh, apologies if you see me take some uh, big drinks of this if my voice does go out. So again, welcome. As Julian said, tonight we are starting a new series called The Creed, What We Believe, and also we're going to be talking about why we believe and why we should believe what we believe. Um, we're going to get into the actual creed, and I'll explain a little bit next week. Tonight, we're going to look at kind of like a, a, a high-level view of what a creed is, right? That's a funny-sounding word. We don't really say all the time. Uh, creed, and no, not the band. Uh, no? Anyone? Okay, I'm old. Uh, not the band. It's, uh, creed just means a system of beliefs or a confession, right? What you believe in. Can you summarize what you believe in? Um, and before we get to the actual creed, I just want to open up with um, a few thoughts for you. How many of you have heard of just those, um, those funny laws that like every state has? Like those laws that make no sense. Have you guys ever heard of those or come across those maybe on the internet? Okay. Um, there's some weird laws out there. Uh, for example, in, in North Carolina, it's illegal to hold a meeting wearing a mask. Right? So, okay, that's weird. doesn't make sense. Why would they pass something like that? Um, in Kentucky, if you're caught bringing a reptile to a religious service, you're going to get fined $50. Exactly. You're thinking, why would they pass such a law? Uh, for a time in Gainesville, Georgia, right here, for a time in the 60s, it was illegal to eat fried chicken with a fork. I'm, I'm not making it up. Like, they passed, like the city, a resolution. And this is the funniest one. Uh, until 2015, in Minnesota, at nursing homes and senior centers, you could only play bingo two times a week. No more. <laughs> two, you could only play bingo two times a week at senior home centers. So why these laws? Why, like, they make no sense. Well, usually these laws were passed because something happened. For example, in North Carolina, or here in the South, they said it's illegal to wear a mask because they were having troubles with, you guessed it, the KKK, right? And they wear the hoods and everything. And so that was a law they passed saying you can't do that. In Kentucky, there actually was a, a, a few churches, but very prominent churches in the area in Appalachia that took that verse from the Bible that says, you know, uh, uh, snakes will have no power over you and they won't bite you. And so they would have church services and take a snake, a rattlesnake, and hold it up to his face and say, see, the power of God's over me. It's not going to bite me. 
several people died because of that, right? And so Kentucky's like, no, that's, that's not right. If you bring it, we're going to fine you because it's not, it's not correct. In Gainesville, why they had that law is really just a promotional stunt to say, like, our, our fried chicken is so good, you're going to want to eat it with your fingers, right? Now, why the law with, only, with bingo only two times a week? I have no idea. That's, that's just, that makes no sense to me. Um, I guess don't let them get too wild playing bingo. Um, but these, these laws and these, these rules were passed for a reason, right? You read them, and there's a reason for it. Something was trying to come against the people or the state, and the state had to have an official response to it. Likewise, in the Bible and throughout history, we see that there were many different beliefs that arose up after the church began. And it started very early, even during the time of the first apostles. For example, in Jude chapter 1, the only chapter with verse 3, um, they are warned to stay away from false teachers. They're saying stay true to what you have learned because there are many people who are trying to teach you otherwise. And so even then we see that people were trying to uh, um, uh, distort the gospel. And so what happened? Well, over time, the church got together, and this was very early on, and said, okay, we need, we need to have a response for this. For all these things, all these weird different beliefs, people were saying that um, uh, Jesus wasn't really the son of God, that he was a man. They were saying all sorts of different things. And so the early church got together, and they said, okay, we need to come up with an official statement on what we believe, on a creed. And so there's a reason for it. Now, one of the earliest ones out there was called the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed. And what it is, it's probably the best summary of what we as Christians believe. And it's unique in that just about 99.9% of Christian denominations around the world agree with this. There are... um, there are many denominations, many different practices and traditions, but this is one thing that really unites us with every other Christian around the world. It's a powerful statement. And if you have your sermon notes, you actually have it there on the back as well. Um, do we have any more sermon notes up here that we could pass out anywhere? Or are they all sold out? Sold out for now? Cool. Well, we'll have it up on the screen in, in a little bit too later on tonight. But here's what it is, and I'll, I'll read it. The Apostles' Creed says this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended to hell, and this is something we're going to talk about a little later because it's kind of contested. That's why I put in parentheses. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. And here a Catholic means the true um, universal church or uh, the right church. It doesn't mean like the Roman Catholic Church. The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. This really summarizes what we as Christians believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Christ the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. 
We believe in the communion of the saints, of the fellowship of the saints. We believe in life everlasting, the resurrection of the body, right? We believe in all of these things. And so this is our creed. This is our belief as Christians. Like I said, this is one of the earliest ones. Um, it's a simple list of the great doctrines or teaching of the faith. Here's what it's not. It's not scripture. This points to scripture. It points to the Bible. But this is not scripture in and of itself. And contrary to its name, it was not made by the apostles. There was a tradition that, you know, there's 12 statements in here and each one of the 12 um, 12 apostles um, put in their own thoughts on there. That's not found anywhere. That's just like a rumor and tradition. Uh, but it is based off their teachings. And so that's why it was called the Apostles' Creed. Like what, what they taught in the Bible, that's what it's based off of. And it points to Scripture. That's the most important thing. All the stuff is founded in Scripture. So why is this important for us? Why do we need to know this? In, in the next few weeks, why are we going to look at the creed or these statements? We're going to go and look at God the Father, Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit, um, the saints, which are us, right? The children of God. And we're going to look at all of that kind of on a week-to-week basis. But why is it important for us? First of all, it helps to keep us balanced. It helps to keep us balanced in our faith. Um, if we just focus on one one aspect of our faith, it's like skipping leg day. You know, you get really, you know, big up here. You get really solid. But if someone comes out and sweeps you from under your feet, you're done, right? We want to be balanced in our theology. We want to be balanced in what we believe and say, okay, I know about God the Father, Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit, and, you know, the, uh, uh, his children and uh, bodily resurrection and everything. We want to know all that. We don't just want to focus on one aspect and ignore the rest. Why we need to know the creed? Um, it keeps us honest. It keeps us honest. It, it corrects us of maybe some errors that we've, that we've had. Maybe we've grown up with certain ways of thinking that aren't right, or maybe we need to readjust them a little bit. And it gives us clarity as well. If we, you know, my goal personally is to memorize this, and I've been trying to. I'm really bad at memorizing things. That's why my notes are like 20 pages long. Um, and so for me, a goal is to memorize this. And just to be able to, you know, if someone asks me, what do you believe in? This is something that you can easily, hey, you know, I believe in God the Father, Christ the Son, that he was born of a virgin. You know, and you could just kind of, maybe not word for word, but have a thought process and what it means. Why is it important for us? Again, it keeps us together with all the believers, not just here, but from around the world. Like, guys, this is something that unites every Christian in the world, and that's something that um, is kind of rare, like outside the Bible, to find a statement, a, 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 um, a written creed of beliefs. It's actually kind of rare to find something that really unites us. And so today we're going to look at what we believe, why we should believe it, and what that effect has on us. What that effect has on us. If you have your Bible, open up to 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verse 14. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 14. And I want to talk about Timothy a little bit. Um, because he's kind of the central character in this. So Paul is writing to Timothy. And Timothy was, I'm not going to get into all the details of him, but basically um, he had a very interesting upbringing. Timothy had a Jewish mother and a Greek Gentile father. So he wasn't 100% Jewish. He wasn't 100% Greek. He was mixed. Right? His mom was Romanian. His dad was American. Right? 
uh, it was mixed. Different traditions, different lifestyles, different beliefs. We know that Paul took an exception to him. He was one of Paul's closest disciples. He was so close that when he, when he took him with him, and Timothy really wanted to evangelize with Paul, it says that to, to appeal to the Jews and to be accepted by the Jews to whom he was going to evangelize, Paul actually circumcised him, right? And so, I mean, that takes a lot of faith. That takes a lot of, I'm committed to this. I want to evangelize. I want to serve the Lord. Um, he was probably timid and shy. We have some, some, some passages from the scripture uh, where Paul is encouraging the others to make uh, Timothy feel comfortable or just to put him at ease when they meet him. Um, and he may have been subject to like a lot of, of illnesses, a lot of um, sicknesses. Uh, when Paul tells him to not just drink water, but a little wine for your stomach as well, because the water back then was like really um, uh, infected. And so we have a guy who's, um, you know, maybe a little, a little uh, um, um, just pale all the time. He's kind of sick. He's shy, but man, he loves the Lord. He was raised in the scriptures. And that's what's, what's amazing about this is that Paul starts off and he says in verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. From whom you've learned it. Paul is seeking to encourage Timothy right now. He's saying, be strong in what you've learned, what you firmly believed, because you know who has taught you. He has just, in, these, in, in, in chapter 3, he has warned him against false teachers, against people that are evil. He said, you know what? If you're a Christian, you're going to suffer. He says that just a few verses before. But then he says, but don't, don't worry. Listen, continue to believe what, you've be- what you have believed because what you have believed up until now is true. The things you have believed up until now and the people who have taught them to you are true. And who are those people? One of them was, of course, Paul. The others, it says that he his mother and grandmother in the ways of Scripture. His mother, um, I believe, was, um, <coughs> excuse me, her mother was not a cough. Um, her mother Eunice and, her, and, and his grandmother um, Lois, who brought him up in the ways of the Lord, in the, in the ways of the Old Testament, right, in, in the Jewish ways, the Jewish traditions, but also in the letters that were circulating at the time, the writings of Paul, of Peter, of the different apostles. And he was telling them, stand firm, because there's a lot of liberal teachers out there who are trying to teach you other things. Even in that day, were denying, like, the physical resurrection of the body of Jesus Christ. And this is not something that's new. Satan has been trying to do this since the creation of, 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 of man, since the creation of, of humans on this earth. When he came to Eve and he said, did God really say? Satan is always trying to have us doubt God's word. He's always trying to have us doubt what Scripture says. That hasn't changed. That hasn't changed one bit. And I like how the new, um, the NLT version says this verse. It says, you know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You know they are true. These things are true because you can trust those who taught you. So listen, Timothy probably didn't know the Apostles' Creed. It most likely was not even around. It came maybe 150 years after he was alive. 
But he had people that invested in him, that taught him the ways of the Lord, and that encouraged him to continue in those ways. My first question for us tonight, the first thing I want us to look at, before we go into the creed, before we go into God the Father and Jesus the Son and, um, and the Holy Spirit, is what have you been taught? What have you learned? And from whom? I see all eyes looking at me like, uh, you. Right? No, no, no. Listen. We all have sources that we learn from. Our parents. Professors. Pastors. Friends. But every person is subject to error. Every person is not perfect. And we know this. Maybe you've had friends that have influenced you the wrong way. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, for some of you, the parents may not have been the best example in your life for whatever reason. Maybe a pastor has disappointed you. Maybe I've disappointed you. I've certainly disappointed a lot of people. I'm human. I err. People will fail us. But if we know what is true, if we believe what is true and we hold firmly to what we believe, we know that there is one who will never fail us, amen? One who is without error, one who is perfect, one who when the strongest of storms comes against us, as Paul says here, he says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Do you want to live a godly life for Christ Jesus? Do I want to live a, a, um, a godly life for Christ Jesus? Yes, I do. We do. All of us will be persecuted. How does that look like? I don't know, but we will. What do you believe? Maybe we've never really truly examined it. We've never questioned our belief. And it's good to question what you believe in because you want to know more, because you want to discover more. Let me tell you, God's not afraid of your questions. God's not afraid of your doubts. If we come to the Lord, if we come to the Word, we say, Lord, I need to know more. I want to know more. Give unto me, O Father God. Your Word says, seek your face. God, your face I'm seeking. Let me seek your face and make yourself known to me. The Lord will reveal himself to you, I promise. This whole scripture is revelation from the Lord. This whole Bible is the Word of God, is encouragement for us. Anyone, anyone can fall to the trap of deception. That's why we have to study and know the Bible and, 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 and meditate on it and keep it in our hearts and study it and obey it vigilantly. It's very important that we know what we believe because maybe people have tried their best to teach you, but it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. No matter what other people have tried to teach me or influence me or mentor me, we have to read the word of God itself. We have to know what we, what we believe in firmly believe in it because there are going to come days when we are persecuted, when we are going to be ridiculed for our faith, we're going to be teased for our faith, and we have to firmly believe in what we believe. That's one reason why we need to keep studying the Bible. And over the next few weeks, Lord willing, we're going to look at the specific aspects of it. So my question for us this evening, who has taught you? Was it a good influence? Was it a good source? Maybe there's some pastor line with a screwy theology. You know, I've come across those. This sounds good. But then you take that little thing they say, that little word, and you make it a personal kind of theology. And then a month or two later, you wake up realizing that you're far from the Bible. 
that your belief and what you heard on the podcast or or a sermon online or an Instagram post where you see a, maybe not even a Bible verse or just an inspirational quote on there, and you wake up and you realize, hey, wait a second, this isn't godly, this isn't scriptural. We have to know what we believe in. So I want to continue on in verse 15. He continues, Paul says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. Wise for salvation just means um, taught about salvation. It has taught you about salvation. Here's why Scripture is important. Because it points us to our Savior. It points us to why we need to be saved. If we never take upon the Scripture and look at it ourselves to see what do I need to be saved from, we'll end up in the wrong place. It makes us wise for salvation. We all, I, I hope we all know what we need to be saved from, but here's a summary of what happened. And we know this. God created man holy and pure, and then man fell away from the, from the grace of God, away from the righteousness of God. And in that garden, when Adam and Eve sinned and they, and they knew evil, God saw them and saw that they were naked. And what did he do? He, he made clothes for them out of an animal skin. That implies that he killed an animal, or that he, he took the life of an animal to make a covering for them. And that theme of covering is throughout the Old Testament and starts in the New Testament. The Old Testament where God says there needs to be a payment of life to cover for sin. And he told Israel, he said, when, when you have the day of atonement and when you, when, you, when you cover the sins of Israel, you have to kill an animal, you have to shed its blood, and you have to make a sacrifice for the atonement or for the covering of sins. Because Adam and Eve sinned, and we have uh, been, uh, that spiritual DNA is with us as well. We are all born and fall short of the glory of God, no matter what we do. Scripture tells us that we need to love the Lord our God with all our mind, all our heart, all of our soul. Amen? But guess what? We can't do that by ourselves. We can't do that by ourselves. We say, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to devote this whole year to you. We can't do that by ourselves because we are far from God. We are fallen sinners, every single person in this room. And the theme of a sacrifice for a life is throughout the whole Bible. But we know that from day one, from when Adam and Eve sinned, God had a plan for the salvation of man. God had a plan. And that, of course, we know is his son, Jesus Christ, who came as, a, as, as an offering once and for all for all of us for that one offering, for that one sacrifice to where we don't need to make sacrifices anymore of animals or shed blood or do anything else because we have that sacrifice that has covered us. We have that sacrifice that has forgiven us. And today we can stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ who is, as, as John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. Tonight we can be here because Jesus Christ has taken away your sin and my sin, and all we have to do, as it says in Romans, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says in Romans 3 that if you, if you um, 
If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ rose from the dead, you shall be saved. Isn't that interesting? For our salvation, all we have to do is believe. We have to read the Word of God because we hear the gospel either through a pastor preaching or through reading the scripture, right? Through our eyes or through our ears. And isn't that amazing that, I mean, it's, it, it's kind of technical, but God has allowed our eyeballs and our eardrums to hear the mystery of the gospel, the revelation of Jesus Christ, just by processing it in this tiny brain of ours. We don't have to eat anything to be saved. We don't have to go to a specific geographical location or make a pilgrimage somewhere to be saved. We don't have to do any other thing, any other act. We simply have to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Christ is Lord, that he rose from the dead. If we call upon his name, we shall be saved. And this is what scripture talks about. Let me tell you guys, if we hear from other sources about the one true path and way to heaven, outside of what Scripture teaches us, where Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life, if we believe any other teachings of this world, we will be lost. And just like back then, they had teachings that were trying to deceive people. Today, we have teachings that are trying to deceive us as well. And we've talked about this before here. Your truth and my truth, right? My truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. There is no standard of truth. There is no standard of, of morality, of righteousness. It's whatever is good for me, whatever is right for me, and that changes all the time. That changes all the time. And if we, if we tend to believe that or if we slip and try to listen to those ways, we can quickly find our way of thinking, our love for the Lord outside of Scripture outside of the creed of what we truly believe. That's why it's important to not just know the creed, but look at the Scripture, to know the Scripture, because it makes us wise for salvation. It gives us the plan of God's salvation. We need to abide in the Bible. Why neglect it? If this shows us the way and encourages us the way to eternal life, into a better life here on earth, why are we neglecting it? Why do we not treat it in such a way that really changes how we live our daily life? And that's a challenge for you. That's a challenge for me. Because as I said, tonight we're going to look at what we believe, why we should believe it, and how it affects us and how it changes us. If we truly believed, if we truly said, Love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the power that those truths have over us, man, we'd be, we be in this thing night and day. We're going to get into just a little bit how this is literally God's divine inspiration. How by reading, by looking at black letters on white paper can literally, by the power of the Holy Spirit, change your mind and your heart for all eternity. So we learn the creed, we memorize it, but what's it doing to us? What, what's the truths behind those doing to us? Is it changing our lifestyle? Is it lining up to, what, to how we live? Is what we believe lining up to how we live? And in fact, that's the message of my sermon tonight. Let's get lined up. Let's get lined up with what we believe and how we live. 
Because here's the thing, guys. We can know about Jesus, but never truly know Jesus. We can know about Jesus. We can memorize a hundred verses. But if we don't truly know Jesus, by spending time with Him, talking, praying, we don't really know the true Jesus. We know a version of Jesus, but we don't really know the true Jesus. Knowing Jesus means confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and living that in your life, letting yourself be fruitful. And that's the next idea that I want to talk about in verses 16 and 17. And we'll go through this next section um, a little quicker. Verses 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So Paul here is kind of putting, putting a cap on everything that he said to him. He's saying, Timothy, you must continue on believing what you believe in. And remember those who've taught you. That from childhood, they've taught you good things. And you must remain committed to them. Because they have pointed you to the person of Christ Jesus. And listen, everything that you read, by the way, is divinely inspired. And here it says, breathed out by God. Or another version is God-breathed. I like that one a little better. It's just a little more powerful. It's God-breathed. Breath means life, right? When you breathe, when you breathe, it means you have life. This is God breathing out his words through people to write them down and to reach us today. Someone said that it's as if the people that are the writers, the authors of these, they are like sailboats. They're like sails. They're vessels. And the Holy Spirit of God is breathing. It's like, like a wind pointing them in the right direction, pushing them in the right direction. And we'll look at uh, probably not everything. I have a lot of things down here, but I'm, I'm not going to go through them all because I want to get to the main, the main crux of this. Um, guys, all of God's word is inspired. God is the ultimate author of the Bible. And in Titus 1, 2, it says that God does not lie. If we believe that God is the Godfather almighty of heaven and earth and that his word is inspired, everything that we read in here has happened. Everything that we read in here is true. Now, I'll correct that just a little bit, actually, because not everything that's said in here is completely true, meaning like the words of Satan or the lies of Satan or uh, Job's friends, right, where they say, you know, his wife says, curse God and die. Well, it's in the Bible, so let me, no, 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 no. Just because it's in there doesn't mean you have to do that. But it's true in the sense that it happened, right? It's true in the sense that it happened. And God, his character will not allow him to lie. Well, how can we trust the Bible if it was written such a long time ago? Listen, experts use two things to determine um, whether, whether an ancient manuscript is, is, is accurate or is valid. And that's the time interval between the original and the earliest copy and the amount of manuscripts that are available. So check this out. The most reliable ancient book outside of the Bible was the Iliad, right? Uh, uh, Homer's Iliad, right? Um, it was written in 900 B.C., 900 years before Christ. 
and there are 643 remaining copies from around 400 BC. So that's a span of, what, 500 years from when it was written to the earliest copy that we have today. 500 years, 643 copies. Okay. The New Testament was written from 40 to 100 AD, so a lot, a lot more recent. And the earliest copy is from 125 AD. So that's a 25-year gap between when it was first written and the earliest manuscript that we have today. And guess what? There are over, this is amazing, there are over 24,000 copies of those manuscripts around. 24,000. And now they teach the Iliad in schools and they say this is historical, it's whatever. And there's what, you know, 643 copies and 500 years between them. How about the New Testament? 24,000 copies of it. And only 25 years before when it was first written and what we have today. Well, it's not the original. Is that what we can't take it seriously? Well, look, if you go to, the, to, a, uh, to a job application and they ask for your driver's license and they scan it and they have, you know, the scanned version of it, is that, is that still not valid? Yeah, it's not the original one, but it has all the information on it. Yeah, the quality might not be the best, but it's there. It's valid. And that's how it is with, the, with these manuscripts. The letters were passed around and the only things that were wrong were like an I was not dotted or a T was not crossed, right? Things like that, but nothing to take away from the doctrine and the teaching of the Bible. And these things have remained around for a long, long time. So I'd like for us to stand and invite the worship team up here. So listen, the verse continues. And it says that God's word, which is inerrant, meaning without error. God's word is inerrant and is profitable. That means it's good for the following things. Back in verse 16, it's profitable for teaching or doctrine. Doctrine teaches what is right. It teaches what is right. And so Timothy was around those secular teachers and the false teachers of his time, and he had to know what was right. And the same is true for us. In these next few weeks, Lord willing, we're going to look at what's right about what we believe. And we're going to look at what the Bible teaches about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and other things. God's word is profitable for for reproof or rebuking in other translations. If teaching or doctrine, right, teaching shows us what's right, reproofing teaches what's wrong. The word of God shows what's wrong in our lives. And it corrects them. That's the next thing that God's word is is profitable for or is good for. It's good for teaching, showing you what's right, reproofing, showing you what's wrong, and correction shows you how to make it right. It gives you an outline to how to make it right. It also is good for training in righteousness and being fully equipped to do the work of God. That's in verse 17. If we want to walk out of here, if we want to be an influence in this world, we need to know what we believe. And my goal and our goal here next few weeks is not to bore you guys with theological terms and really dry discussions. 
Um, if anything, maybe we'll print them out or something if you want a deeper um, understanding of it. But it's going to be things that apply to your life, to my life, and that are shareable with other people. It's important to know what we believe. It's important to know why we believe it. We believe it because, as, as the Word says, it's, it's, it makes us wise for our salvation in Christ Jesus. That's amazing how God has put everything together in the, in, in the collection of 66 books to know God's plan for salvation. And lastly, the goal in these next few weeks, after we've learned what we believe, why we should believe it, is what effect should this have on you and I? Is what we believe lining up with how we live? You know, my father has a statement that um, sounds a little better with his Romanian accent because it rhymes. And I, I love it because it actually works. Um, and forgive me for my accent. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do him justice. Um, I'm not trying to poke fun or anything, but it's, it's, it's true. He says, the Jesus you leave is the Jesus you believe. And the other way around. The Jesus you believe is the Jesus, Right? Again, I'm not trying to mock or anything. I'm just saying it rhymes and it's cool and it makes me think. In English, it doesn't really have that ring to it. The Jesus you believe is the Jesus you live. The Jesus you believe is the Jesus you live. One of my worst fears is for me to know the wrong Jesus. For me somehow down the road to, I don't know, go on a path Go on a, on, on, a, on, a, on a fringe, listen to a sermon, listen to something, and I just very slightly start to know the wrong Jesus, either because of my own stubbornness or pride or some other reason. I can only pray for the grace of God, and we can only pray for the grace of God to keep us correct, amen, to, to correct us from our wrong ways of thinking, because no matter how long you've been on this path of Christianity, of following Jesus, we can still get it wrong. And so we need, to, we need to have the Bible teach us. We need to look in it to correct us, to reprove us, to make us equipped to handle what God has called us to do. As Paul said, if you want to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. Does what you believe line up with how you live? I just want to show one last verse up here. And this will kind of be our prayer too, from uh, from Mark chapter nine verse twenty four. Mark chapter nine verse twenty four. This is about the man whose child was uh, possessed by a demon and would just have convulsions and throw himself into the fire into the water. And Jesus asked him, "Do you believe that I can heal him?" And this is this is one just one of the most interesting verses I've I've come across because. Immediately, the father of the child cried out, and in some versions, it says, cried out with tears and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Wait, what? I believe. Help my unbelief. Almost seems like they're contradicting each other. I believe. Help my unbelief. Here's what I took from this. We believe, we believe in God the Father, Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit. 
but we can't truly believe this unless the Holy Spirit enlightens us and makes us realize the truth behind these beliefs. We can confess it with our mouth. We can memorize the Apostles' Creed. We can say all these things. We can come to church. We can be in band. We can be in choir. We can come to student night all the time. And when you go home and your parents ask you, how it was it? It's like, great. We sang, we prayed, and it was good. Well, do you, do you believe that? Do you believe in what you sang? Do you believe in what you prayed? Do we shrug our shoulders and say, eh, it was okay? Has it changed your life? Have, have these truths changed your life? Here's what that verse means to me. Lord, I believe. I believe because I know I've been saved, because I know that you have redeemed me. But Lord, every day I need more faith, Lord. Every day. Holy Spirit, I need more faith. Because this world wants to bring us down, wants to bring our faith and muddle it with everything else. My two-year-old daughter, she has a song that she loves to listen to, and it's called Jumping Up and Down in Muddy Puddles, right? Peppa Pig, they love to get messy. Jumping Up and Down in Muddy Puddles. She's looking at me right now (laughs) because... My friends, I don't want us to jump around in muddy puddles of mixing the fates of the world, the theologies of the world, the Jesuses of this world, right? And just being happy in the, 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 the muddy puddles of this world. Let's drink and abide in the everlasting fount. Amen? Abide in the tree of life who is pure. Narrow is the way that leads to heaven. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Can we believe that? Can we live it when we leave from here? Can we commit to ourselves to live what we believe and to line up our lives with what we believe? Let's sing. We hope you enjoyed the message. Be sure to join us Fridays at 730. God bless.